This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, we don't have to kill nostalgia, it's already dead. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. There were two more friends of mine, two more friends that died. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a conversation about how there were a lot of great bands in the 90s, but boy, we're going to have trouble with the nostalgia tours because, frankly, a lot of them are dead. A lot of lead singers are dead. It just up and died. So, I won't get into the list here, but we're definitely going to talk about it. Check the show notes for uh, when that starts. Also, check the show notes because we've got a playlist uh, for Spotify and Apple Music of some of the best songs from these bands that'll trip your nostalgia button and make you realize, oh crap, I'm old, and oh crap, a bunch of people are dead. Uh, one other thing you find in the show notes is the timestamps for the fresh shit. Uh, we've got a lot of that this week, but we're talking about things we've been watching and doing, so check that out. As always, we're trying to build the podcast, so please, subscribe to the podcast, rate it on your podcast app of choice, and share it on your social media feeds with your friends, because, you know, they really want to see you link to stuff. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter. We are at MagHuge, that's M-A-G-H-U-G-E. Facebook, we're the Magnificent Huge Podcast. Uh, we're also that on Instagram, where you can find all the pictures Chris makes for the show every week. And uh, you can send us an email. Send us an email at MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. As always, you can find all of that stuff at our website, maghuge.com. So check it out. All right, let's get on with the show. And we are back. Hey. We're back. I'm back. Is it worth Uh, it? Can I work it? Back it up and reverse it. What is that song? That's a Missy Elliott song. Yeah. Like the Missy Elliott song. Okay. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. But we're we're back. We're back. We because yeah. because we are the magnificently huge podcast. I'm just Eric. Hello, hey, just Eric. Eric. Hi there. This is Chris. Hey Chris. Hi. I, I I'm Brian. Hey. Who's fascinatingly uh, interested in this show right now? <laughs> you are me. everyone. Yes. <laughs> not me. Oh wait. No. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I feel like it's been at least a week since we've chatted, fellas. Seriously. It's weird. Yeah. It's uh, time, time really flies when you're not having fun. Uh, hey, you know. I've got a question for you. When you're making a, a mixtape or a, a Spotify collection and you're trying to typify a musical genre, right? Uh-huh. Like, I'm going to do all things yacht rock or I'm going to do all things uh, industrial. Do you include the one band that is so wholly and completely identified with that group, or do you try and get everybody else instead? Uh, like if you're doing if you're doing industrial, do you put ministry on that? I mean, that's almost too so, obvious. Yeah. I, so it's interesting, Eric, because you're the SEO guy, right? So I would assume that your answer would be absolutely because you want to draw in the listeners of yes. the sort of stereotypical act, right? Exactly. 
Well, actually, no. I'm thinking you, you. I mean, if I was trying to get more listeners, maybe. But if I was trying to show somebody what you know a musical genre was, the best way to get a sort of three dimensional view of it are all the other bands, not just well, here, the one that is so recognized as that. Well, this is my thinking on it because a uh, mixtapes are and always will be an art form. So if you're doing a genre type deal then absolutely you have to include at least one representation of that genre for a baseline. Because mm. if you're just slapping a bunch of stuff down and saying, hey, this is all industrial, but people don't have any sort of idea of why that should be the case, then oh. it's, moot. it's moot. So you need a lo- okay. at least one baseline option to go, this is the definition, and then here's all the stuff that tries to live up to that. This is the star, these are the planets that orbit it. Got Correct. It. That's my thinking. Okay. I could be wrong. I like that. But whatever, you know. But it's uh, right on. It's good. Uh, so you're making a mixtape? Does it have anything to do with anything or just to do it? It was it was a discussion. My wife is uh, putting together like a, 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 a playlist of industrial stuff. And okay. we had that conversation. And I was like, is that necessary? And then I think, eh, I guess it is. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's Yeah, definitely. All right. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. I'm glad we could help. Uh, This week in mixtape surgery. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, well. It's it's always nice to have like a little sort of pre-discussion before we jump into the fresh shit. (laughs) This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. It is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. Is it worth it? This is the segment where we talk about... No. Okay. I'm not going to let you work it. Uh, this, we're going to talk about what we watch and read and play and whatever. And, and do. Basically, it's just yeah. you know, a bunch of sad old middle-aged men uh, doing stuff so they don't kill themselves. This is the right. disorganized part of the show. <laughs> That's how we wow. start. Yeah. You always start with chaos and anarchy and then reel it in. Yeah. That's just facts, kids. Good times. So I've, I've been watching... Uh, um, I think I mentioned Mr. Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So season one is actually a very straightforward kind of ex-cop chasing psychotic killer kind of uh, 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 thriller show, right? And in the end of the first season, uh, you know, here comes spoilers. In the end of the first season, the cop, you know, wins and the, the, the bad guy killer gets brained you know, gets gets his head beaten apart so that you know he's he's in the hospital with permanent brain damage and i'm like okay so how do you how do you do a season two exactly and in season two they end up experimenting on some drug on the psychotic killer guy and now he has like the ability to take over other people's minds and junk and i'm like where did this come from? Oh yeah, okay. it's a Stephen King novel. <laughs> yeah, it'll go anywhere. It's like the yeah, stand. it's like is, the... it a, is it the apocalypse? No, we'll put some like a weird witchcrafty, netherworldly yeah. stuff in there but too. Why not? It's like in a movie, you can kind of get away with that. The first act has no uh, supernatural anything. The second act, things start getting wacky. This one, it's like a whole TV season of just a straight thriller, and then. What? It's, so it's, it's like really what, jarring. So it's like watching the first season of Dexter and then second season. It's like, oh, by the way, he's a warlock. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, where did that come from? Okay. Interesting. Is it yeah. good, though? Is it good? Uh, it, 
it's slow. It's okay. like it might be good, but you know, I, 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 there are other shows where they like went way too fast, and so it was horrible. So yeah. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna pass judgment on it for being slow. Uh, I, but it is. I appreciate the the series that kind of are allowed to take their sweet time to get it all yeah. together. I like the slow burn. I know most people don't for whatever reason because they need to binge that shit. Mm-hmm. But I, I like it where it just, you know, like WandaVision took its sweet ass time getting yeah. into the, the normal scene. Mm-hmm. But that buildup was what I liked the most about it. It just was, they, they were able to do whatever they wanted. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a nice trick, you, you know, to, to not know where it was going for a little while until it became Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, it's Marvel. What are you going to do? Yeah. I, 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 and the other thing, I, I mentioned this also last week. I, okay, I had said that Titans on uh, uh, HBO <laughs> you did, you did. Max was, was really good. And I then watched the rest of it. And it ends in such a "Are you fucking goddamn kidding me?" kind of way. Like they had to, they had to wrap this shit up. Let's wrap this shit up. Okay, good. We have this whole this whole thing scripted. No, 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 no. You blew all your budget. Try and do it as cheap as possible. Oh fuck. Oh, okay. so it's like Heroes, where the big climactic battle happens yes. behind a closed door or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Worse. What? It's worse. It's worse. Oh jeez. Worse than Heroes. I can't wow. Describe to you how. Oh fuck you! This 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 ending is because it's one. It's obviously a setup for season three. Two. It shows that you know the 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 all powerful DC superhero somehow always gets a cheap death whenever they need to. And three. Hawk and Dove are useless. You know, it's like you've got all <laughs> these people who are they're called Titans because they're you know they're they're gods basically. Except. Hawk and Dove are just like two people who like punch people, you know. And I, 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 I'll watch Minka Kelly in anything. She's hot as hell, but Jesus Christ, not a superhero. And she's part of the reason <laughs> the whole thing fails. I think my so favorite. So my part- wife listened to the show last week and like wrote it down on a post-it. Like, okay, we need to watch Titans, right? And then she comes to me like, let's watch Titans. You know, Eric recommended. It. I'm like, yeah, about that. Uh, Here's the caveat, (laughs) and he's like, he wanted to record an extra bit to, you know, to get edited into last week's show, just to say, never mind, I hate it now. So maybe let's not. Yeah, that's my favorite part. That's my favorite part. Is that Eric is all, yeah, I love it, I love it, and then like literally uh, two hours later, oh shit, no, I hate it. Uh, Never mind. I I I had to back. I had to hold myself back from getting in a fist fight with my Roku. I was like, no. No. Uh, yeah, so uh, brutal, brutal disappointment, I would say. Yeah. Well, Eric, you're a notorious flibberty gibbet when it comes to this stuff, too. That's what's so funny. <laughs> well, I got like, always... to learn not to review it until like I've watched it completely. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, it's it all goes back to Batman v Superman when you, you texted me. It's like, you know what? I watched it. It's not that bad. And then it turns out you were like loaded on cough syrup because you were sick. <laughs> <laughs> So I always have to wait. Just get yeah. the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, I'm sorry you didn't like it. Eh. Eh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and finally, uh, last night we watched the movie uh, Shoplifters of the World. Oh, how is that? Is I, that was almost made dumb. My, my watch. Dumb. dumb. It's dumb. Uh, I'm sorry. It's true. dumb. It, it's the kind of movie that you want to be really good. 
but it's dumb. But it is going to play a major part in next week's show uh, um, about high school movies where everybody gets together for the last time. Sort of a, I, I think we'll call it the last hurrah or something like that. But yeah, it's like Dazed and Confused or uh, um, American Graffiti, where everybody's together for one last time. But the thing is, there's no wit, there's no direction. The characters don't develop in any way. They just sort of like say things that are moody because you know the Smiths, and then they they play a lot of Smiths music. And then the director's like, it wasn't really meant to have a story. It was just sort of a uh, a love letter to the 80s. That's the sign I, of somebody who doesn't know how to write a fucking movie. Yeah, I thought true. it was a, based on a real thing where somebody actually did like d- it, somehow it, play the entire d- Smiths catalog on a college radio station or something. Uh, my wife tells me that apparently it was some guy wanted to go in with a gun and make the DJ play this, and he was gonna, but then he didn't. That's what it's based on. Oh, it's based on a thing that almost, <laughs> almost. happened. Yeah. yeah, like every Morris he's yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And, and I have no on patience a guy who for had people bad follow who through. say that a movie idea is good because it's based on a true story. But based on an almost true story has got to be s- several levels worse. Hey, based on slack. a story. Yeah, cut it yes. some slack. It's a love letter to the 80s, sir. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Okay. And then they, like, like I can spot all the things, you know, that, like, even the attempts at, uh, I don't know. Did they hang the DJ? That's what I want to know. At one point, they, they, uh, uh, she's talking about, I hate Molly Ringwald. I mean, not that the actress, but, like, in all those movies, it's always that, that, that teenage moment where everything works out or something like that and the end of the movie uh the guy the fella that she's going to end up with is like sitting on the the corner of her car like the end of 16 candles i'm like yeah ha ha i get it yeah yeah there's yeah it's just it's just they i will say this they do get the clothes pretty much right uh the streets in of, that they're not neon colored, but they're like actually yeah. the colors of the 80s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And a, an okay. army pea coat for the one, you know, Uber Smiths fan. And I think it takes place in Boulder. I think it's, it's definitely a Colorado town, but it takes place there. And there are no cars anywhere. The entire movie, no cars. We're like, why is Denver really this sleepy? I mean, they, they shot it in Albany, but it's, it's supposed to be Denver. I'm like, there's never anyone on the road. And then I realized, oh yeah, that's right. It's a period piece. This was shot on a shoestring. They couldn't afford to have uh, uh, era appropriate traffic. Well, that's, that's every movie though. Like I can't tell you how many times there's been a movie with a car chase in LA and I'm like, this is bullshit. Cars can't go that fast in LA ever because of the traffic. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's like, but even when you do like period pieces on a budget, you still pony up for at least one damn car from the era. So you can at least put it in the background. You know what I mean? The characters drive appropriate cars. Now and again, there's a car parked in the background that's old, but it's... You know, it's not like uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, so damn. That's that's my thing. We'll we'll discuss more next week. Okay. Okay. Well, that's speaking we of got. speaking of terrible, uh, last night I watched uh, Thunder Force 
on Netflix. Oh my God. I watched it and I wasn't even going to bring it to the fresh shit. <laughs> I, I just figured what the hell. I literally turned to my wife last night. I'm like, I just want something I can watch where I can just turn my brain off for like 90 minutes and mission accomplished. You found it. I know nothing oh. of this, this Thunder Force. It's, what is this Thunder Force? It's the new big Netflixy thing uh, with Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer it's a superhero thing written and directed by Melissa McCarthy's husband, Ben Falcone. Which We're- always is, those are the good Melissa McCarthy movies. Ugh, no. It's just, <laughs> it's basically, it's uh, two friends who grew up together, but were estranged. Uh, one is like a slacker, that's Melissa McCarthy. The other one is like a ge- brilliant geneticist. And they live in a world with supervillains called miscreants. And... Long story short, Octavia Spencer's character, her parents are killed by miscreants when she's a child, which pushes her to become a big-time scientist so she can create a way for other people to become superpowered to fight these miscreants, and that's sort of the nugget. And then through a slapdash series of circumstances, Melissa McCarthy uh, reconnects with her and then accidentally gets injected with the super strength portion of the serum and then becomes the superhero. And then Octavia Spencer takes the other part and becomes like Invisible Girl. and then. They fight mm-hmm. a very obvious uh, villain. Uh, that, that's all secondary. It's just like, basically, it's a pastiche of someone who's seen comic book movies and thought, okay, I can make one of these things, and then just oh, missed a point awful. entirely. The so only good... The, the two... Go ahead. I was going to say, the only good parts are when Jason Bateman shows up as a guy who's yes. basically got crab arms because he got bit in the balls by a radioactive by a radioactive crab, crab. Yeah. on his honeymoon. And so he's got like giant crab arms and he's just really super snarky through the whole thing. <laughs> Other than that, it's like, no. Nothing. And Palm Clemente is the femme fatale evil yeah. super chick. And yeah, Bobby I mean. Can't at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it sucks. It, it's it straight terrible. up sucks. The only the only thing I I kind of liked about it, and even this is tired or at least not you know super original, was just watching, um the you know the evil doers are just as like petty and stupid as the heroes are. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like like you know Bobby Cannavale is the is the big bad I guess, and and he keeps ordering the death of like people who are actually useful on his team to to try and yeah, motivate the rest of his henchmen, and, yeah, and it's like, well, now who's gonna do that? You know, kind of it's it's very Doctor Evil in that sense. Yeah, uh-huh. it's it's just so just flat. Like for so many people involved in it that are so good like that to have it be so tremendously flat, it's just depressing you know they didn't let melissa mccarthy be melissa mccarthy and just like go off like you watch something like the heat with uh her and um uh, sandra bullock and she she's just brilliant in that and this is just boring well it just yeah the whole thing played like it would have been maybe the pilot for like a a disney show like lab like lab rats or (laughs) something i mean it's just it had that vibe only it was even less funny than a show like Lab Rats on Disney. It was just terrible. The, just... Only, the only other thing that I found memorable about it was there's a gag where um, Melissa McCarthy's character really craves raw chicken, and they've just got her shoving raw chicken in her mouth like yeah. in several scenes. And uh... I don't know what they made that out of for the prop guys, but they did a great job of selling <laughs> yeah. that it, she's yeah. mowing on raw chicken. I think, well, honestly... it sounds like... 
it sounds like they wanted to make something of a, you know, if not a spoof, a commentary on superhero films. But yeah, superhero films now are so out of gas that it's like you, yeah. you can't do anything interesting referring to them. Yeah, it just it, it basically is a one note sketch that they stretched into 90 minutes that just sort of needed to stop. The only thing that made me laugh consistently was anytime Jason Bateman's on the scene and then something happens and he needs to run away. Uh, he basically throws his uh, crab hands up in the air and clack, clack, clacks and like runs off sideways like yes. a crab would. <laughs> it's like, that's genius, sir. That's a detail that doesn't need to happen, but yet it did. And I, I yeah. applaud him for that. As, <laughs> as usual, Jason Bateman is the entertaining part of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It was, who was also it was in terrible. Hancock. Yeah. It was also exactly. the interesting part of that. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so that was the brain garbage for the week. The other thing I did watch that was kind of interesting, and I'd been circling it, but never pulled the trigger. But on Amazon, it's the movie with K. Stu about Gene Seberg called Seberg, uh, which is basically chronic. It's very good. I have to say, I was astonished at how good Kristen Stewart was in this thing. Uh, did she have more than two facial expressions? Yes, she's, she, okay, she great. Act- actually portrayed a living, breathing human being. And I bought She's it. done that a couple times lately. I, I, I'm going to have to give her credit. <laughs> but, uh, but this one basically chronicles the uh, actress Jean Seberg, who was basically the, the darling of the French New Wave because of Breathless. And she got involved in a lot of uh, causes in the 60s, one of which was helping uh, civil rights activists and donating to stuff like the Black Panthers. And that put her on the FBI radar. And so J. Edgar Hoover actually ordered his uh, super secret, super illegal counterintelligence team to basically just uh, survey her and discredit her and ruin her life. And then she goes insane, basically. It's really fucked up because it really happened. Uh, but just watching hmm. all of that. But it's it's Kristen Stewart as Gene Seberg, but then you've got Anthony Mackie as one of the civil rights guys. Uh, you've got Vince Vaughn as just a total asshole FBI guy. It's just astonishing how well he plays an asshole. Um, very volatile, uh, etc. So it's, it was very good, and I was shocked, honestly, because we give Case do a lot of shit on this program because uh, most of her stuff is not any good. But this one, oh, yes. That's... You know, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not uh, horning in, but I, I saw her in uh, Underwater or whatever that was. Right. That was on HBO. And yeah, two facial expressions. And yeah, the only reason to, to watch it is at a couple points she's in bikini underwear. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, she, she does do some, uh, some skin in Seaberg, if that entices you for any reason. Uh, but that's not the reason. But she yeah. actually portray, like portrays a woman who who the FBI in, essentially drives insane because she gets really paranoid because then suddenly she thinks everybody's listening in on her conversations, her marriage breaks up, she just goes nuts. And Seberg's life story is just sad because basically that led to her death. Like ten years later, she killed herself at the age of forty because I guess she was just so. PTSD from all of that experience. So the FBI mm. basically killed Gene Seberg. It's pretty fucked up. But don't let that sway you. It's a good movie. I recommend it. Yeah. So kind of kind of thing where they like to play it off as, boy, things sure were bad a long, long time ago. 
Mm-hmm. Good thing that can't happen now. Mm. Yes. No shit. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it was pretty eerie. So yeah, if you if you ever get a a bug up your bum to watch something less uh, slick and Hollywoody, that would be a good choice. Kill. All right. Kill. 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 Um, I guess I got a couple other things we can talk about. Um, first of all, don't want to get too deep into it, but the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finally got really good with episode mm-hmm. five. They doubled um, down, sir. They doubled it down. They, yeah, they they are not pulling their punches at all at this point. And um, Anthony Mackie is doing a lot of great work. I, but Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son, is just killing it as John Walker, um, the new Captain America or U.S. agent or whatever. Um, yeah, he obviously feels like he doesn't give a shit if people like him or not. I mean, that's just ballsy, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> well, but but he does like he he understands what you know what's been asked of him, and he's trying to do the best job of it he can. But he is who he is, and he stays true to himself. It's I'm I'm loving this this show. They they're they're pulling stuff in from the comics and they're they're taking Captain America seriously and I don't okay I don't really know the comics at all but there's a big celebrity cameo in episode 5 yeah and so far we have had the Falcon and the Winter Soldier touching on just about every aspect of the Captain America mythos that they can come up with except Hydra and I have to assume this character is eventually going to have something to do with Hydra. I just have to. Yeah, it's like the the second version of Hydra. I think it's like I think it's a a window into them doing the M- MCU version of Suicide Squad, is what I understand. Mm. It's that kind, it's that okay. kind of a thing. So I could be wrong, but that's my understanding. Anyway, it's it's better than expected. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is is better than expected. Only um, one more episode left, too. Yeah, and they wrapped up a ton of plot threads in episode five. I'm like, yeah, you guys know you've got another episode, right? <laughs> well, you gotta have the, like the big prolonged battle. That's the MCU way. So yeah. So in other words, the last episode will have a sky beam and it'll be boring. But whatever. <laughs> One can um, only hope for Eric's sake. So we'll talk about a couple I- video games here, and this these are both the work of the same studio. Um, run by this colorful character by the name of Joseph Ferris. And his, his previous game is a game called A Way Out. And his new game is called It Takes Two. And both of these games are cooperative only. You have to play them with two players. And you can play them split screen with somebody on the couch, or if you buy it, in both cases, they'll give you like a download code so you can have a buddy just go online and download it for free so you have somebody to play with online. They're surprisingly different from a gameplay standpoint. A Way Out is, it's, it's really all story and not a whole lot of video game, at least the parts I've played so far. It's about these two guys who are breaking out of prison. And, you know, there's prison life and there's prison fights and there's there's stuff where you're like trying to figure out how to, you know, make an escape from your cell and you're each playing lookout for the other. And so the gameplay is very sort of 
pedestrian. It's like, okay, I'm the lookout, so I'm going to tell you when the guard is coming so that you can stop pressing Y or whatever to, like, chisel away at the whatever, and then I can, like, talk to the guard for a second to give you a couple more seconds. It's, it's like, really simplified stuff like that, and it's all about tone, and it's all about these characters and the story. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Okay. I've only played about an hour into each of these games. Um, Are you playing with somebody you know? Yeah, so A Way Out I played with my son, and then It Takes Two I played with my wife, and It Takes Two is like the opposite of the previous game, in which the gameplay is good. It's basically a platformer, like a 3D platformer, like a a 3D Mario game, and the story just sucks. Um, It Takes Two, the, the plot... Uh, whatever (laughs) you're playing as a couple who has decided to get a divorce for reasons that are very very vague um they've just decided to get a divorce i guess and their daughter finds out about it and she like wishes them into her little toy dolls and now you're like shrunk down to toy size and so it's very honey i shrunk the kids and you are accosted by this obnoxious ass book of love that comes up to you and says, like, "Hey, I'm gonna help you fix your relationship." <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's it's like a real relationship is based on cooperation, so you got to cooperate. And like the the thing this couple is arguing about is like the husband sucked up some like you know whatever board game pieces and broke the vacuum and. Then the wife said she was going to fix it, and she never did. And, and, like, this is why you guys are getting a divorce? I just want them to turn to the book and be like, Hey, asshole, cooperation won't change the fact that he's fucking every girl in town! You know, but that that's not what this game is about. And like, it, so, it, <laughs> so do they actually God. get Cheech Marin to do the voice? Or is that no, just your interpretation? No, sometimes he sounds exactly like Cheech Marin. And sometimes okay. he has, like, a more of an Italian accent. Like, his okay. accent isn't even consistent. <laughs> and... Okay. And like, it's 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 like it's a game made by a guy whose parents had a divorce, but he himself has never actually had a relationship. <laughs> and so he's like upset about his parents' divorce. First of all, the premise is that divorce is automatically bad, and that the parents should reconcile as opposed to, or maybe maybe they're bad for each other. Maybe these people suck. Because they kind of do. <laughs> well, here's here's my thought. You know, like going back to the marketing angle, uh, the idea that there are a lot of divorces and a lot of kids play video games. This seems like you know sure. a natural come together of here's something to make you feel better about you know your parents getting divorced. Thing is, you need someone else to play it with, presumably uh, uh, a partner. Like a brother I mean, this sounds or like a... something for. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's, I'd feel a little not, weird if like, I was if playing a couple... the husband and a friend of mine was playing my video game wife and we're trying no, 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 to no, no, rebuild no. our relationship. <laughs> no, think, think about this, though. Think about you're actually playing the game with your wife, which I was, and you're the husband and she's the wife, but you're having to play a couple who, like, want a divorce. Uh-huh. <laughs> so but the RP you isn't get really better. working there either. But the sure, idea but, of the game we is just that look you're at trying this, to... Fuck these two. Yeah. These guys are idiots. <laughs> right. Well, all I can say is it takes two to make a thing go right. 
It takes two. To yeah, every time you say it takes two, I keep <laughs> thinking of like <laughs> some Bates. some sitcom, like a a sitcom that was syndicated. It wasn't even good enough to be on a network. Yeah. And yeah, it's got like like D-list actors, and they're trying to make a relationship work. But here's the wacky problem: it takes two. Like that. <laughs> I think it's also that's an Olsen twins movie with Steve Gutenberg from like the late 90s. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so it's not an original title by any stretch. So you get what you pay for, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You take the so good, I mean, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. Yeah. The <sighs> facts of life. Uh, different strokes, sir. Different strokes. Yeah. You take a bunch of bad stuff, you talk about <laughs> it for a half an hour, and then you have the fresh shit. Let's get on with the show, shall we? Yeah. Okay. So this week, I was I was trying to think of a of a good topic for another music show because you know I I want to give myself lots of editing to do, um and and one that keeps coming up for me. So you know I've been in the before times before COVID. Uh, you know, was going and, and watching a lot of old 80s acts who've been touring, you know, and those tickets are reasonably priced and it's a lot of fun. And then, you know, Eric and I did the 80s cruise. And then you start to think about the 90s nostalgia because the 90s are definitely, you know, coming back in a big way. And I'm like, OK, wait a minute. A lot of the really big acts from the 90s are very dead. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. the. The the simple example is Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, right? But I'm like, there's a lot of them that like most of grunge is dead. And oh, yeah. and so That's, I thought this is a good topic yeah. for a music show. So I want to talk about how the nineties nostalgia is gonna suck because all the good bands are dead. <laughs> Which you know, it's kind of funny. You think of like the eighties hair metal bands and they're all still alive because their 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 most favorite thing was pussy. And so, you know, you, they were happy, but you, you get into grunge and, and like the, the, the sort of punk nihilism. It's like, nah, we're all unhappy. We'll stick with heroin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, for God's sakes, Keith yeah. Richards outlived Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, I, ah! I, I think my wife, either my wife or one of you guys said, no, it was my wife. She was like, I bet you Keith Richards never did heroin. It was all like a show. Mm. And yeah. it it's now people for years have been saying that it's a life extending drug. Meanwhile, he's he's never done it, and he's a big health addict. <laughs> <laughs> that would make perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting thesis, Brian. I will grant you. I grant you. I grant but you. but I think it's predicated on some sort of uh, the opposite of the rosy hued version of the nineties, because for me, I was looking back and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of casualties and a lot of these acts aren't going to be able to tour anymore as their original core. But I, I wrote a list much longer of acts that I would be able to go see at any point in time. Should they tour? Oh, cool. From things I listened to in the nineties and it far outstripped, the ones I could think of that died that are no longer going to be able to tour. So I'm taking the opposite approach. I'm doing like the it. automatic so, gainsay because so so not? let's 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 structure it like this. We'll talk about a yeah, band with a tragic death, and then Chris can try and and like pull us back from the brink with another <laughs> band that's going to be worth seeing. How's that? Well, it's just they're my personal picks. Ones I listen to more than some of the biggins that are dead, but whatever. Okay, so I mean. 
it was still the 90s when Kurt Cobain died. So we lost Nirvana. Right? Yeah. Fine. Let's get that out of the way. Nirvana, yeah. everybody. <laughs> Once again, Kurt Cobain was a trendsetter. Uh, yeah. He, Although, he brought back heroin, and then he brought back, you know, a, a firearm suicide. I mean, the guy was a trailblazer. Yeah. Even though you know, he said that he didn't have a gun, he actually sang that in something. He, he swore it. It <laughs> turns out he, he didn't was have totally lying. Totally lying. Yeah. At that moment, he didn't. You know, later on, he did. I think all we can really sum up is his suicide note actually ended with it's better to burn out than to fade away. It's like, what a drama queen. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just, you yeah. know, everybody deifies Kurt Cobain. And I like Nirvana, but they were never like my Jesus Christ music. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. well, they don't define I, the 90s for me. Like so I've got people. a lot of friends who are way into him, and it was like the voice of a generation. And I, to this day, can't think <laughs> yeah. of a meaningful Nirvana yeah. lyric. Kurt Cobain's lyrics are... To me, the like Simon Le Bon's lyrics, in which they are they are phrases that sound good together when strung, but if you actually just try to read them as words, you're like, this means nothing. Anyway, uh, well, I, I don't know. You know what? Uh, but here's the thing: he was the voice of his generation, and it was a generation of suck. I mean, think of like how little <laughs> we had to stand for. Yeah. And you know, here comes this whiny, complainy guy with you know stomach pains, and he, he, we all sort of went, huh. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. still surprised. Nirvana is the band that like broke out big from you know the Seattle scene at the time. They sucked. There were so many bands there, yeah. and Nirvana's the one that goes all big. It's like I have a feeling mm. he killed himself because he couldn't maintain that level of you know fooling people into thinking it was awesome. They had two albums. One of them had to be completely redone, and then that was it. Well, now I still in utero still has some decent songs on it though. Like it never does, mind, but like, it had to be completely redone. Yeah, like Bleach is good. It's rough. It's like an EP kind of vibe. Never mind. I mean, Brian's talking about obtuse lyrics, but to me, that's rightly uh, regarded as one of the big albums because it's to me it's it's almost perfect in its conception from start to finish because of just what it's doing. And then you get sort of the later shit where in utero, the the album that they have to kind of cobble together. And then you get all like the best of shit uh, because he's yeah. dead. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, he is the best example of why you shouldn't bother with suicide because you get this big, meaningful rush of, oh, they'll all they'll all see they'll all get it now. And, and really, everyone just goes, boy, what a drama queen. What an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, and well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of yeah. my opinion now. I was more afraid at the time that there was going to be a wave of uh, suicides of people who wanted to be like him. Yeah, and of course <sighs> that wouldn't happen for another couple of decades with Chris Cornell. But yeah, mm. well, you know, it's a tough life. But for me, it's like, uh, yeah, Nirvana's good. Uh, I don't understand why they're like considered the top dog, because even Kurt Cobain is was open about. Well, these are my influences. And one of the big ones that he always mentioned uh, were the Breeders Pixies. and the oh. Pixies. Yeah, and like Kim yeah. Deal. Uh, mm. He's like, without without them, there would be no Nirvana. Smells so, Like Teen Spirit was his attempt to write a Pixies-like song. Right. And so it's, 
So to me, it's like, well, yeah, that, I was listening to that stuff at the same time as well. Yeah. Uh, and so I get it, which is why I don't understand why Nirvana just took off they, like a fucking rocket. So. I, it's not even that they, I mean, they took off because they were new and different and big, you know, they were the same way like Guns N' Roses out of nowhere was a huge deal. Right. Or, or Snoop Dogg out of nowhere was a big deal. But the thing is, they fell apart before they could, you know, they could do their trompe le monde, their album that everyone goes, oh, they don't have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so, so, so Chris, um, I'm, I'm going to maybe steal a little bit of your thunder here. The obvious counterpoint to Nirvana is that the Foo Fighters are, are going to play in forever. I um, guess, but I, I honestly, I may be in the minority here, but I do not like the Foo Fighters. I just never have. Oh, yeah, no, I think they're I I think they're great. I think Dave Grohl is a hook machine. Yeah. And oh, no I, doubt. I mean, yeah, he they, they write a good song, but I just they've never been anything where I was like, "Yes, Foo Fighters." I always hear the songs and I'm like, "Okay, that's all right." Whatever. I got to I got to I I'm so glad you said that. They have a couple of covers I like, but th- you know, they've ha- they have one song of that's an original that I like, and the rest of it I'm always like, eh. It's yeah. it's certainly well done. It's just it's it's uninteresting. There goes my hero is such a boring song. It's just yeah, their their catalog. It's it's just sort of like uh, I don't know, like Blink One Eighty Two. It's just sort of. Uh, Foo Fighters is sort of the Green Day wannabe, Blink-182, or, or Foo Fighters is the Nirvana wannabe, Green Day sort of follows Blink-182 trying to ape that shit, and it just never comes across as anything as effective. That's hmm. what it feels like to me, so, yeah. All right. Well, let, let's keep it going. Who else is dead? Wayne Staley. <laughs> Chains was one of the big ones for me back in the early 90s. Yeah. So that's tough. Wayne Staley had that, he had that way of crooning that, that, that like became big with a lot of different bands. Like, right. Like the whole Creed thing, you know, that, <laughs> that sort of low wail. Right, right. That, that scary kind of croaking. That was Wayne Staley. That's what I loved about yeah. Allison Chains is he was, he was coming from just a different place. Yeah, yeah. He was coming from heroin, like, <laughs> but you know, holy he was fu- heroin. Fun- this guy. He was functional. Uh, yeah, but yeah, dirt. That I don't think that left the CD player in my house for like a year and a half almost. It was just no, so yeah. stupid, it's fantastic. Uh, Here's and, the problem and- with heroin. <laughs> yeah, it's so Probably good. With heroin is that it's like you can very easily accidentally mix with something like you should not take heroin and drink alcohol because that will stop your heart right uh the the guy from glee that's what he did the problem is people who do heroin not that responsible so it's like really huh. easy to overdose yeah. and yeah so it's like I don't think I don't think heroin killed these people. I think uh, lack of attention to detail 
killed these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As the Dandy Warhols always sang, it's, I never thought I'd be a junkie because heroin is so passe. Mm. <laughs> that to me sums it all up. It's like, and requires cliche, too many bro. steps. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, yeah. just too much involved. Yeah. So Allison Chains is an interesting version or a topic on this one because they did they did find a new lead singer and they have continued i mean the harmonies and the chord changes all of that stuff appears to have been coming from the guitarist yeah. um because they've they've managed to write songs that you know uh what did Roger Waters say about a uh, momentary lapse of reason oh that's a fair forgery that's what i think of the new Alice in Chains stuff it it, it is it's Alice in Chains, just without. It's like a missing the edge of Lane Staley. Does that make sense? Musically, it's close. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's weird about him too is that not only Lane Staley, but their bass player, uh, who was with him through like '93, also died. So they lost two core members. I don't uh, think though that like for most bands, anyone is losing too much when they lose a bass player. I mean, (laughs) you know. Ouch. I know. I know. The joke is, what's the definition of a band? And it's. Three musicians and a drummer. I think it's actually three musicians and a bass player. Because all you do is go, what, what, what's the Doug Stanhope thing? Ba-dope. Ba-dope. That's the hardest part of the night. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, all right. but, but the double whammy of Dirt followed by the more acoustic-y Jar of Flies EP. I mean, that was literally yeah. like ni- 1994 defined for me uh, was those two albums. So, that's yeah, that's a tough one. Alice in Chains, me- probably my favorite Grud Jack. Yeah, go ahead. They're good. Uh, probably the biggest ouch for me of all of these looking back, though, uh, is Adam Yauk from Beastie Boys, MCA. Oh, god damn. Cancer. I mean, like, the Beastie Boys are never gonna play ever again, and that just that crushes me on the inside. I will have to be honest with you, because they're so good and they're so fun, and every album they had, I don't even the lesser ones, they're just phenomenal. And it just uh, when he died, I was like, ah, oh, well, fuck it, '90s are over. Let's just call it a day. I, I can appreciate though the other two saying we're not going to do we we they may do a project together but they'll never do the Beastie Boys again because right, right. are you fucking kidding me I mean <laughs> it's like well, when it's just those three guys and they are so tight yeah it's over well plus he was I don't know if you can call him the serious one but he was definitely the the glue uh, when they yeah. were in the studio from all the stuff I've read it's like because Ad Rock and Mike D are just very clownish about their approach to stuff. They're very serious about the music and such, but when they're doing it, they're just very goofy. Whereas Adam Yao could be like the guy 
staying up all night in the studio going, okay, this is the drum loop that I figured out for this shit. And then they come in and it's like, whoa, you know, they're like, that's amazing. So he's like the glue for that band. And so his loss for them has just got to be tremendous even today. Like you see him in interviews and you can tell they're still really sort of melancholy about the whole thing. And I feel so hmm. bad for him, honestly. Yeah, that 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 is a, a major blow. That's that's okay. So Chris, pick us back up. Like, give us give us a band that isn't dead. That'll be a good '90s nostalgia act. Uh honestly, any any of the Britpop stuff, I will go to in a heartbeat. Uh, that I just love. Like, okay, blur. so like Blur. Okay, okay. Uh, they're they're probably my top go to. Uh, just because they get kind of arty farty and they're not afraid to experiment with style. Whereas o- Oasis is always sort of, they're good, but it's always that sort of Beatles-tinged Oasis guitar is rock. Good. Yeah. Oasis is bad. Oasis, uh, is Oasis very, has very always bad. been bad. <laughs> they're very static. Uh, Oasis is that, a good example of, oh, oh, they're alive, and these yeah. other ones aren't. Thanks, universe. But, uh, yeah. but Blur is my go-to, but then Pulp. I've always enjoyed Pulp because you know Jarvis Cocker is just so incredibly weird. And their songs are so just out there. They're not traditional pop songs that like just like meander off into these weird territories and they're just so weird. Those are sort of my go-tos. And then Radiohead, when they came on, like, OK Computer was sort of my uh, come-to-Jesus moment with Radiohead, where I was like, oh, yes, more of this, please. Yeah. And then you go mm. back and you listen to more of, like, The Benz. The Benz is Pop- my favorite Radiohead yeah, album uh, the to this ben- day. They've got solid cluck like that. And then Pablo Honey is not great, but it's got enough where you can kind of see it uh, in action. And then by the late 90s, heading into the 21st century when the kid a comes out and you're like what in the fuck <laughs> like what in the hell are you guys yeah. doing holy shit so. it's it, it's pablo honey it, it contains the single that is essentially their whip it you know they're like the one thing everybody knows <laughs> and that's almost why i didn't listen to okay computer because i was like oh it's the uh, uh creep band yeah okay yeah. that was a good song that was a great song but it's overplayed yeah. and i don't care yeah, and then you listen to that album and you go, ooh, this is mind-expanding. Yeah, it's good stuff. So those right. are sort of more definable 90s acts for me uh, beyond All right. Nirvana. That's, that, so, that, yeah. that helps. So I'm, I'm going to bring it back down. Eric mentioned Chris Cornell a while back. I want to talk about Chris Cornell because, honestly, I didn't like him in Soundgarden at, at, when they were big. Like when they were big to me, he was singing like a hair metal singer in front of a band that was trying to pass itself off as grunge. And I'm like, yeah, but dude, this is just a hair metal band with, you know, modern guitar tunes and effects. For what it's worth, though, when they won their Grammy, uh, they, you know, uh, Chris Cornell's speech started with, we're not leaving this stage until you admit we're a heavy metal band. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they were.
others but but i'll tell you what chris cornell won me over by sheer effort like the man just kept getting out there and kept belting out songs and that you know that line in black hole sun no one sings like you anymore yeah no one sings like him and now they really don't because he's dead and he had a killer bond theme and uh, a lot of really good bond collaborations he brought back the bond theme right retroactively now that it's not the zeitgeist and now that it's like i'm not comparing the fans of the music to the music i've gained an appreciation for soundgarden and so well fair enough chris cornell you win uh, posthumously well the other (laughs) the the tricky line with with soundgarden too is like when super unknown like became as huge as it did it's sort of like you, you teeter on the edge because you're Gen X. You're like, oh, I don't know if I can really like it now because it's everywhere. But, you know, it's just, <laughs> right. it's just one of those like Black Hole Sun. Like I remember Eric and I driving back from California one time down I-10 and it's like my shitty Honda that's got the sunroof cracked open because it's busted and it's just loud as hell and the AC doesn't work and we're just miserable. But we've got Super Unknown cranked to 11 on the shitty stereo because <laughs> you can't hear it over the din of the air coming through the windows unless you crank it. And so that's sort of a defining album for me from one of our goofy little road adventures. Uh, so that's always intertwined when I hear that song <laughs> and that album. Uh, so, so yeah, I will, I will say that that's definitely uh, a nostalgia box checked. Uh, for yeah, the it's, 90s. A, it's a great scream along album. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. And none, I, of us, I, none of us have those pipes, but it's fun to try. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I, I, I still, yeah, I cannot get enough of the Chris Cornell Bond theme. I mean, I know we just talked about it, but yeah, it deserves being mentioned again because yeah. Bond themes fell off again. You know, like there was Duran Duran and then there was, you know, like a lot of easy listening music and then Chris Cornell. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like you right? want a statement too. It's they're totally re- redoing the whole Bond mythos for the new age. And so, yeah, they, they nailed it with that one. Yeah, yeah well, and you, uh, need, you need somebody who can just belt it out, right? You, you know, Shirley yeah. Bassey, right? That's, that's the yeah, tier you're trying yeah. to play in. And well, so, but, yeah, to go yeah, Chris Cornell was a good call. You don't want Moonraker Shirley Bassey, though. You want Goldfinger Shirley Bassey. Well, sure. That's, well, yeah. <laughs> she was still really great, even if the yeah. song was, you know, written hilariously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, All right. We're, we're getting off topic again. Who's got something? Uh, well, was anybody upset when the dude from Blind Melon died? <laughs> uh, no. That's Shannon a legitimate Hoon. question. Shannon Hoon. 
Uh, didn't didn't know, didn't care. I think I heard, I know, I knew it, and somebody told me that, and I was like, is that that band with the video with the girl in the bee suit? Yeah, and somebody the bee said yes. Yeah. And my reaction was, oh. And that's, that's the extent of it. All I can say yeah. is that my life is pretty plain. I okay. So, No Rain <laughs> is one of those songs that, okay, I, I, I think that, it's like Ice Ice Baby, okay? In that, your yeah. generation, the songs that everyone in your generation knows and everyone can sing along with, and it sort of, you know, pumps the room up, you don't necessarily get to pick those. Like, those yeah. just kind of happen to you because that song was you fucking ubiquitous. It was inescapable. Yeah. And so at some point, you probably had a good time listening to it, despite the fact that you probably would never have selected it for being played <laughs> yourself. like a weird time it was like 92-ish 93-ish I guess and so that was also around the same time that like crash test dummies were charting charting with like mm, mm, mm. I mean it's like what in the right, hell yeah. is going on with pop music so you got like crash test dummies and blind melon and it's like this is this is not a defining type of music for my generation or is it, it? it's like a weird well quantity. it is yeah, because our generation, unfortunately, again, sucked. And so it was all the kind of music that worked well with sedative drugs. You know? <laughs> like, like heroin, yeah. It's like morphine, yeah. too much weed. Yeah, I just, that's why I just didn't care about drugs in the 90s. Is like, it was all so laid back and groovy. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> fuck all of you. Apparently, <laughs> the rock stars were doing heroin, though, Eric. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, I I don't know whatever. I I I I miss the the uh, I miss the seventies bands where it was PCP and a shotgun. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like Sly and the Family Stone hopped out of their minds on fucking LSD or whatever. That's what I want to see. Alice Cooper uh, running around going, "Welcome to my nightmare." <laughs> Even though now he's just you know he golfs and he uh, buys real estate. Yeah. Well, here's one that uh, I, I it wasn't really a band I listened to, but it was definitely huge. Uh, that no longer can tour when uh, Left Eye from TLC died in that plane crash or whatever. Oh God, that's right. TLC is out. Jeez. Yeah, so you so you don't get TLC now, which was a huge huge deal back in the nineties. So I guess they're uh, just TC now, or I, yeah, I guess I don't know. Uh, but that's a that's kind of a big one that I'd forgotten about. That, yeah, that does it. suck. <laughs> they were fun. Uh, they were fun. Yeah. I like him. Like, Creep is a good song. Not the Radiohead Creep, but TLC's Creep. Yeah, uh, a lot of Creep. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a good got a good groove, and you can dance to it. That's all you really ask for. Um, but that was just, a, that's a weird one that I sort of fell off my radar until I looked back at it. Because I forget that she's, she's dead. Yeah. Which is I've sad. got one. I've got one that is totally not unexpected, which I think means it's, you know, we could all see it coming. Uh, uh -huh. it was, and when it happened, I think my reaction was more, oh, he was still alive. And that's <laughs> Scott Wheeland. Yeah. Uh, Scott Wheeland <laughs> yes, is yeah. somebody who had such a great affinity for drugs that for years people were like, oh yeah, what's, is he, you know, he's not dead yet. Okay. <laughs>
Yeah, Stone Temple Pilots got a bad rap, I think, for wa- being wannabe grunge or whatever, wannabe Seattle, but they had three kick-ass albums. Yes. Oh, they were great. Um, I liked I liked them. They were another one that got heavy rotation. Yeah. I'm unabashedly a fan of their music. I've you know, seen them in concert, and I do not regret it. Yeah, spin up yeah. tiny music any day. That album holds yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. And then as uh, uh, Scott Weiland died, Stone Temple Pilots replaced him with Chester Bennington <laughs> from Lincoln Park. Which, whoops. Who Uh-oh. is dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So now you don't get Lincoln Park or Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, it was right. like, is that Stone Temple Pilots management or is that the band going, yeah, we need someone else who might fall off the edge at any given time. That's, uh, that's what uh. we need. That's what drives us. Well, he was getting pretty close to the edge and was about to break. Everything you say to me That that guy though from from Lincoln Park who killed himself was also close friends with Chris Cornell, and they killed themselves like within days of each other. Yeah, that's crazy. <sighs> and people, then, yeah, k- killing the nineties. Yeah. It's not helping. Well, <laughs> yeah. And then there's uh, also one I'd forgotten about because it was they were not a huge band for me, but they're ones that always crop up on my like random playlist is when uh a couple years ago when Dolores O'Reard from the Cranberries died. Oh it's yeah. Like, so, now, so now the Cranberries are never gonna tour again. It's like God damn it. It's like are there any bands left? Wanted to see the cranberries. I, I really liked the cranberries. Liked the first album. You like first the album. cranberries? Yes, Seriously? sir. Yes. Oh, yes. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's. I don't know what to tell you. It's just. I like their song. I mean, it's just. You know, it reminds me of a time and place, and I yeah. do not regret that. So. Screw okay. you the two singles man. they have. I have a, the, those two singles of theirs. I sometimes have great difficulty deciding which one I hate more. <laughs> I think it's just like yeah. zombie. I like because the, she still has the Irish lilt. So she's like with their tanks and their bombs and their bombs and their guns. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I've heard, like, ever heard the end of one of their songs. Cause I always hammer my head into a fucking wall before <laughs> it comes yeah. to an end. I think zombie well, is like my least favorite cranberry song, but. I really enjoyed uh, some of their early stuff. Yeah, I don't mind them one bit, and I don't care what you say. Yeah, so, here yeah. the thing though is, when they said she died, I was like, "Did were they big enough of a deal for me to give a fuck?" I mean, were they really? Like, they had like more than if one, one of the guys from uh, the the that that horrible and they were the five hundred miles. If one of them had OD'd, I don't think anyone would know or care. Probably is this not. not the same situation? <laughs> well, I think it's it's defined this way: is if the if they're a one hit wonder, it's pretty much will people care. But if you have plural hits, then uh, you become I mean, sort of a thing. No you know rain, I mean? but blind melon that was a one hit wonder. 
We brought yeah. that shit up, so you know. Well, no, they had like tones of home too that people kind of played at frat parties or whatever. So whatever, you know. But- uh, I'll, I, I'm gonna bring it back though. Because, uh, so I'll keep I'll keep a '90s band alive. In fact, I have tickets to see this '90 band '90s band that. Well, no, it's maybe at some point those tickets will actually be useful to enter a concert venue. Um, there you go. Uh, garbage is still around. This is the noise that keeps me awake. My head explodes in my body. And I saw them live a year or two ago, and they're still fucking great. Yeah, they're still doing new material, in fact. They're going to be opening for Alanis Morissette, and so is Liz Fair uh, going to be on that bill. That's going to be a hell of a bill. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't <laughs> seen Garbage live yet, and I've been really wanting to. So yeah. I I don't think Garbage's new stuff is as strong as the old stuff. because It's not. Uh, Sh- Shirley went into therapy and isn't as fucked up, you know? I mean, the... <laughs> The 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 little girl who is just fucked up and you know makes songs about how awful everything is that's gone. <laughs> now it's songs about like being a mom and shit. Fuck that. <laughs> Shirley Manson was always like the seductress that you knew if you if if you ever got anywhere near her, she would eat your head. Right, like she yeah. would just absolutely destroy you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, you know. Well, on the other flip side of that too, I don't have concert tickets or anything, but it's they're I guess they're still kicking around. But there was like that mid late nineties sort of like lo fi weird segment of alt rock where you had like cake and soul okay. coughing and all of that stuff. And yep. that that's still enjoyable to me and I still listen to it. Not so much uh soul coughing, but cake I listen to pretty regularly still. Uh I'm so glad cake keeping the again. trumpet alive. Yeah. Yeah, yes. so I'm glad none yeah. of them are uh, dead, presumably. And I've seen them live like three times. Yeah, and good show. Yeah, yeah, very good show. They're very good at. They're a good live band. Yeah, so I think that's well, why they can get away with having an album of covers because they know exactly which ones work with the crowd. Yeah, they're not Weezer, just randomly slapping <laughs> covers down. I mean, they they yeah. know what they're doing. Oh yeah, all these acts <laughs> are dead, Weezer. and Weezer's still around. Thanks universe thanks yeah. yeah hey yeah. wizard like the first two maybe three albums are good but then it's like come on man just hang on they yeah. know it weezer, they know it weezer goes like five or six years of just sort of destroying their own credibility and you know their fans love for them and then they'll release a song that is good and all the fans come back to them <laughs> oh, we love and you. then they it, yeah, i read somewhere that yeah I, I can't remember where I read it, but somebody was like, I think Weezer is trolling their fans. It's like they're just yeah, fucking the, with them so, all the time. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing about Weezer. I think I even said this on a previous podcast, but I'll, I'll, I'll use this as my example. Weezer has, I think that they have a studio set up where all of the mics and all of the guitar pedals and all the guitars and everything have just been sitting there in exactly the same configuration for every recording session because they all mix and sound exactly the goddamn same. <laughs> and as evidence, I give you the Weezer Christmas album. I'm notable for having my really bad Christmas music playlist that I had, you know, have kind of left you alone about the last year or so. But there's a We Wish You a Merry Christmas from Weezer that I'm just, every time I hear it, I just hear, We wish you a Weezer Christmas. We, and it sounds exactly <laughs> like Weezer that wish you a Weezer. Anyway, 
fucking Weezer. Anyway. <laughs> we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Well, there you go. Uh, but honorable mentions for the, the death parade to wind her up. Uh, we didn't really touch on a lot of rap hip hop, but like Tupac and Biggie, obviously gone. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, that's like a whole other like East Coast, West Coast thing for a sh- another show, apparently. Uh, yeah. And then like Peter Steele from Typo Negative, like the most gigantic baritone rock star. He's gone. And that's the one my wife wanted me to mention because she loves Typo Negative. So I just wanted to throw that out there. band that managed to replace their singer and keep touring uh sublime but does I anybody give care two shits about sublime <laughs> it's like it's nobody sublime, cares man. that the guy is dead they just want to get high and sing along right like that's, uh, that's also that yeah. guy from sublime died so they had one album right and he died so soon after it it's almost an economic decision to get a new singer <laughs> because right, yeah, we got to right. support the album. You know, I still have car payments. Yeah. Let's let's do this. I but, mean, they got the, what, but, the one song, Santa Rita. Is that the yeah, one? Yeah. Here's the thing. He was clearly replaceable. Like other bands, NXS had a goddamn reality show to try to replace <laughs> Michael Hutchins. That didn't go so yeah. good for them. You are clearly replaceable. That reminds <laughs> me of like the, when uh, Chevy Chase came back to Saturday Night Live. Uh, to host when Bill Murray was on there, and they they were like before they had their fight in the hall, Bill Murray just looked at him and said, "Medium talent." That was his insult. <laughs> it's like that's probably the harshest thing you could say, bro. <laughs> Medium talent. So yeah, you're utterly replaceable. That's yeah, the last thing a singer wants to hear. <laughs> All right, so. Is there anyone else who's still kicking around that'll keep us happy and like give us hope for the '90s nostalgia to, to maybe to wrap it up? Uh, I wish Sleater Kenny would figure their shit out. Are they together? Or are they not together? You know what I mean. So mm. that's just that's just me. But uh, that that's but, not uh, a lot of hope. I mean, there's optimism there, I guess. I guess, <laughs> but yeah. When the is when it, you get old, anybody... when the go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Now you go. no, no, you were in the middle of a thought. Uh, basically, it's if, if you're old enough, there, you can't really decide if you want to tour with these bands or you want to just do your own thing. I mean, it's like, that's where we are now. It's like, we're, we're of a certain age where our, our band peers are like, eh, is it worth it to go on the road? I don't know. I'd rather just sit at home and drink my coffee and read my paper, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Or you get bands like Asia that have like several touring oh. versions of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good anyway, Lord. that's smart. Yeah. That is, it is smart. smart. That's fine. franchise. <laughs> yeah. Franchise your band. There you go. Uh, sure. But, why not? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I All right. I wouldn't mind hearing what's new from Sonic Youth. I haven't heard from them in forever. Oh, but are Thurston Moore and Kim Deal even talking to each other? That's the I thing. I don't know. 
Because they were an item, and then now they're not. And so... Can can they give themselves some kind of middle age name though? Because they're clearly not youth at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, well, what are you gonna do? But uh... one foot in the Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic death, right? Like that's that's where we're ultimately going. Yeah, Sonic Utes. There you go. The Sonic Utes. All hey, right, you damn kids, get off my Sonic. <laughs> well, if you're old like us and you like listen to us talk about stuff like this, subscribe to the podcast. Check us out. Help us out. Yeah. Help us grow the audience. Rate the podcast. Share it on your social media feeds. Find yeah. find your other old friends and say, "Oh yeah, remember all the dead people? Here's some guys talking about them for a little while." Do it. Send it around. I think I think yeah. this is a good week to put together a playlist, don't you? I think you just signed me up for one. So yes, we're gonna have a playlist. Sure. Check the show notes, and boom, boom, boom. We'll have we'll bang, have some, bang, some playlists for you to listen to a bunch of dead people. And yeah. uh, if you've got show suggestions, hit us up. We're on Twitter. We're at MagHuge. That's M A G H U G E. Uh, we're on Facebook, the Magnificent the Huge Podcast. We've got an Instagram with all the awesome images that Chris turns out every week uh, for the shows that maybe you'll see if you go there. Um, and you can send us emails. Uh, email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And you can find all links to all that. You can find all of our old episodes on our website. And even the pictures. So you can find all of it on maghuge.com. So check it out. Come back for more. We'll see you guys next week. Try not to die. And Who wants some... <laughs> scene. Who wants some heroin? <laughs>